Hello, this is Ken Benson from Older Than Dirt Growing. You're listening to WCGO Radio 1590 and 95.9 Chicago Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. <laughs> you just made my day, Ken. So, what are we having, Chef? Lentil and feta salad and roasted squash. Smashing. And main course? That is the main course. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's just, uh, I don't eat vegetarian. What do you mean? I'm a meat eater. But, Mark, you know Wendy and I are veggie. Yes, I know. And when you two came round for dinner, we made you a mushroom risotto. And I was sort of expecting you to return the effort. Not some meat, please. Sorry, I, I didn't know you felt so strongly about it. It's an ethical thing. I don't think humans should be treated like this. Right, um, what can I say? We, we don't really do meat in this house. Oh, come on, you must have some meat somewhere around here. What, what was that I saw wandering around earlier? The cat. That'll do. I'll have that, with some rice. No, no, that's the cat. Look quite lean and gamey. But it's ours. It, it's a pet. You mean you keep an animal in captivity for no reason? That's barbaric. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas, wind blowing through breathing trees, strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Jet streams, perfect air. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. Good planets are in the main. Right. Okay, you can turn my microphone on now. <laughs> there we go. Uh, I just thought, you know, let's start a radio let's show start. and we'll just have crickets, okay? <laughs> this is not the way radio shows are supposed to start. <laughs> and the only thing that anybody can say to me about that is... What a jerk. Okay, yeah, I am. What a jerk. Hey, folks, welcome to the show. We need to do a, a, a shout-out right now at the top of the show because I think, you know, if all goes well, if all goes very well, we have two new stations who are listening to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and they're our friends in Missouri, and uh, they are at KBNN AM 750. Thank you. There's a little ding, and that's out of Lemadon and Springfield. Uh, and KJPW, 1390 AM, Waynesville, Mo. Oh, and they each get a ding. 
welcome. We're so glad that you're listening to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And each week we bring you, <laughs> you you know what we bring you. We bring you crickets, okay? No. We, <laughs> we bring other bugs. We got other bugs here today, too, because that guy standing over there is our resident arborist, arborist representative from Bartlett Tree Experts, and they're a great sponsor of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're talking trees today. And since it's summer, what happens in your trees is you get critters and you get diseases and you get all kinds of stuff and you got issues like with water and lack of water and all of that. And that's the kind of thing we do on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We talk plants. We talk the environment. We talk about keeping your plants healthy. We talk uh, you name it. Uh, we'll we'll go. Uh, last week, we talked about garden design with a couple of world famous Plants people, I don't know if you know this, Skeet, but we had Roy Diblick on the show with Pete Udolph, and Pete was on the Skype machine from the Netherlands, and Roy was here in the studio. And we just talked about plant design and some of the great gardens of the world. Nice. Uh, today, it's a little more practical. It's your backyard. Yes. <laughs> and, Close up. And what's happening? And we have, if you go to my website, MikeNovak.net, and that's M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K.net. And if you look at this week's show, uh, you'll see the headline, Skeets Traveling Critter something. Carnival. Not, Carnival. I can't remember. I can't even remember. It was great. About... It was brilliant when I saw Skeet's... it. I was like, wow, that's Good. great. Skeets Traveling Critter Carnival. And he's got them. He's got critters in the studio. Except, do we do we give away what happened to critters? Uh, well, think... we we have we have good news and and we have good news, and that we've <laughs> not we've, for the critters. We've we've zapped some critters, and uh, <laughs> we we've got some Japanese beetles that are starting to wake up. They're a little oh, they haven't had their caffeine. So we thought they're they, wiggling. We thought they yeah. were goners. Yeah, and now they're kind of moving around. So yeah. uh, if you ever wonder what a Japanese beetle looks like in person, and a lot of folks in the Midwest and around the country know what Japanese beetles look like because they have to deal with them in their backyards all the time. Yes. So, and and last year we did have the bagworm races. Mm-hmm. And and this year that's true. We this had... year they're in uh, very very retired. <laughs> you know? They're resting. Uh, they're resting. Uh, yes. Lovely plumage. Anyway, uh, welcome to KBNN and KJPW and WRSC and KOTA and all those great folks. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. City Grange, Chicago's newest and most unique garden center, wants to remove all barriers to your gardening success. How? By providing organic heirloom plants for your kitchen garden, pollinator-friendly natives and annuals, container planting to go. They deliver the plants you put them in. Who does that? Classes for adults and kids, special events, and more. They even have complimentary valet parking on weekends. 5500 Northwestern Avenue at Catalpa, citygrange.com. Learn. Shop. Blossom. Hi, this is Peggy. McHenry County's largest annual Green Living event is also one of our area's best green events. The 2019 Green Living Expo, November 2nd at McHenry County College in Crystal Lake, attracts hundreds of attendees. We know, we've been there, and it's impressed us for years. So get your business in front of this crowd as a vendor or a sponsor. And yes, green holiday gift ideas are welcome too. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? 
Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Ego Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne Keratin Smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, we have our arborist representative from Bartlett Tree Experts. And uh, let's give them a ding because they're a, a great sponsor of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're talking trees today. So here's how you do it. 877-711-5611. Give us a call if you've got a question about your trees. Uh, or your shrubs, I guess, or, or maybe even other yard care today. Um, and uh, we'd be happy to uh, see if we can stump the skeet. <laughs> Been there, seen it, done it. And we did bring some bugs with and some samples with. So if you're... Uh... And we have bug cam here today. It's it's kind of hard. To, you could you could tell there are a bunch of bugs. Should we... Uh, do we have bug cam up there right now uh, on Facebook? And by the way, if you're listening uh, on the stream... Uh, or on a radio station, uh, when we do this show, and we do it live Sunday mornings from Chicago from 9 to 11 a.m., we're also on Facebook, uh, and we stream the video on Facebook. So you can always go back after the show and take a look at the video if you're you're wondering what we're talking about, or you can uh, tune in on Facebook live uh, at 9 a.m. Central uh, to listen to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. So, yeah, we got bug cam up there. Uh, I'm not sure where we should start today. Uh, let's since we got bug cam there. Let's let's start. Oh, uh, we yeah we could start there. All right, let's do that. We'll get that out of the way because we <laughs> <laughs> yeah Skeet's uh, showing me the the cheat sheet there says well maybe we should talk about Phytophthora ramorum. And uh, for those of you scratching your heads, what the heck is a Phytophthora ramorum? It's a pathogen. It's a disease. Um, and, and it sounds very scary, and it is. It is. It is a very scary disease, and we're going to do this quickly because we've talked about this on the show several mm-hmm. times in the past, but it bears repeating because it's important. Here's what happened. There was a shipment of plants that came into the Midwest, and we're talking 18 different states at least, including Illinois, Indiana, Pennsylvania, Missouri, uh, I'm not sure what else. There's others. Um, Ohio. Oh, that's right. Ohio had Oklahoma, this. Oklahoma. Uh, well, it came out of Oklahoma. This, These were plants that originated in the Pacific Northwest in Washington State and British Columbia. And these plants carried this pathogen called Phytophthora remora. Remorum. 
they made their way to the Midwest, and then they were sold in a bunch of box stores. And the plants were rhododendrons primarily and lilacs. Here's the problem. This pathogen that infected these plants, and they were infected when they got there, and then they got sold, and people bought plants that were infected, and now everybody's backtracking and, tra- and trying to track down these plants and get them out of there, get them, get them out of the wild, so to speak, because they, the pathogen that's in them, yeah, it can hurt a rhododendron or a lilac. They turn brown at the tips on the, on the uh, stems and on the leaves, but it also can, that same pathogen, if it gets to an oak tree, can turn into something called sudden oak death. Now, Skeet, why should we be concerned about that? Great question, Mike. <laughs> Just as it sounds, sudden oak death uh, can kill oak trees. The, the good news is, is, I mean, we've got a, a government, we've got the Illinois Department of Agriculture that's really watching this. I mean, this is a, a great team of people that are working behind the scenes. You may not even know where your taxpayer dollars are going, and, and they've tracked this down. They're monitoring this, and they've quarantined it. They've uh, notified the big box stores, and they've, they've uh, as you said, tracked them down, destroyed them. And so this is something that's going on behind the scenes that most people don't even know that goes on behind the scenes. But I imagine some people who bought these have been contacted by those stores and who said, hey, you might have bought this and hang on to it because we're, we're going to send some folks out in black suits who are going to come out and, and sunglasses who are going to come and take a look at that. Yeah. And, and at this point, it's, it's uh, under control. It's being monitored. And so kudos to the Department of Agriculture, just a great bunch of people working over there. Well, and, you know, they've been working uh, on this with uh, places like Michigan State University and Cornell yeah. and, and uh, University of Illinois and just uh, other great institutions across the country to yes. try to manage this. And the point is there is no sudden oak death in the Midwest right now. We have not seen it. We just don't want it to happen because it's been a, a big deal on the West Coast. Absolutely. Yeah. California, Oregon, Washington State have all experienced sudden oak death. And the last thing we want is to have it end up in the Midwest as well. And, you know, you talk about disease and insects that spread coast to coast. I mean, uh, well, first of all, there's uh, a ch- chestnut. Chestnut blight. Blight, mm-hmm. which wiped out our chestnuts in America 100 years ago. Dutch elm disease. Dutch elm disease, which tri- almost wiped out our elms and most of them. Yeah. Um, and emerald now we, ash borer. Emerald ash borer. I mean, one after another. And these are the these are the, the bases of our hardwood forests across And our uh, urban country. forests, too. Yeah. 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 And, and so, you know, what, what do we do? Um, think local, the local nurseries, boy, these are compassionate people that, that grow local, buy local, um, keep the plant stock local. Um, so buy local, um, and, and that would, that would be number one too. You know, if you're a gardener, keep an eye on this department of agriculture has news release. You can get on their email list or sending updates out. So, um, those would be a couple items to to be aware. And you can go to my website, MikeNovak.net. I've got all of that information there. And be aware that if you did not buy, if you bought a rhododendron in 2019, yeah, you might want to check it, especially if you got it at a box store. Before 2019, it's not a problem. So don't don't think that, well, mm-hmm. I bought a rhododendron last year and it's got this issue. Right. It, it doesn't. The other thing is, as we pointed out, we don't have sudden oak death in the Midwest uh, states right now, and that's what we're trying to prevent. 
Um, so if you think you've got one of those plants, contact your state Department of Agriculture. That's where you want to go, and they will tell you what to do. And what they're going to tell you is leave it there. Don't destroy it because some of that pathogen could get out. Uh, try, don't water it because mm-hmm. it travels in water and soil. Uh, so you've got to be careful about that. It's like suspend it. Put it in amber and, and leave it. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it for them to come and get. That's why you have to call them. Don't take it in a bag to your local extension office. They don't want to see it. Don't mm-hmm. take it to a nursery. Don't do that. Just call your Department of Agriculture. That's the safest way to go. And the only reason I brought this up is because I know uh, Bartlett Tree Experts is very uh, concerned about this. And I'm sure you would tell your clients exactly the same thing. Exactly. You know, And, and like you said, those dates are important. Those are in 2019 only. So if it was bought prior to, not a concern, and you know, buy local, shop local, local nurseries, uh, and and that and, and, and I'm glad and you brought that up because that's what I always tell people on the show too is go to your independent garden center. Yes, you know, if you want to buy a shovel at a box store, I don't have a problem with that. Plants, not so much. I'm not a huge fan of getting plants at the big box store, uh, and this is part of the reason. But uh, the local independent garden centers, and you know, you. Yeah, Everybody's got a local independent garden center. It's the ones that just sell plants, and that's all they sell. Uh, and they know this stuff. So when you go in there, you get great information. Uh, you know, part of what you're paying for is knowledge, yeah. and you've got to remember that. Uh, and you're also p- paying for really healthy plants because they can't stay in business if they don't sell he- healthy plants. And there's so many garden clubs that are splitting and dividing their local plants, and they, they go to good causes. So that would be another area. You're buying local, buying right from plant clubs. So that moves us on to other things that you might find in your garden in the summer, and that's why we have bug cam up there. Let's go right to Japanese beetles. Why not? Because uh, it's they're a, a nuisance. And uh, tell us about Japanese beetle. What kind of damage can they cause and what can folks do, Skeet? Sounds like a plan. We've got a couple just waking up for us here. <laughs> hey! Yeah. Woohoo! Woohoo! Go, right. Japanese beetles! And we've got the skeletonized leaves. Skeletonized leaves will tell you the Japanese beetles came in and they munched. And uh, They look the, good. I'm going to yeah. put one of these up here. Let's cool. Let's see if I can do this. Let's see. Yeah, look at that. And as we're looking here, Mike would know. That, that would be Bug Cam on Facebook Live. For those of you listening saying, look at what? Go to Facebook Live. And before they're Japanese beetles, what are they in a life cycle? Larvae. Grubs. Grubs. Yes. And I, I, You wrote to me and you said, yes. Well, you wrote in a newsletter to yeah. the folks that mm-hmm. you, who you work with. Yeah. You said, yes, grubs turn into Japanese, Japanese beetles. beetles. Yes. And did I think the polar vortex would... Uh, freeze them you know with a big cold freeze well you yes. were hoping yeah we were hoping yeah. and and there are less japanese beetles at this point than we've seen in the past and so um, japanese beetles are grubs and they can fly in from a two three four five mile radius so just because you're treating grubs in your yard doesn't mean you're not going to get japanese beetles <laughs> and if you've got the tasty plants, they'll be there. They will be there. Well, yes. and that's and that's part of the well. They but they love about three hundred different plants. So, yes, uh, and that covers a lot. And they primarily love the roses, mm-hmm. birch, crabapple, elm would be the ones that they really enjoy munching on. Linden too. Right? Linden, mm-hmm. perfect. Yep, yeah. linden. 
And so that's where they they really enjoy those plants. And they come in, they feed on the leaves, and they eat, they skeletonize, and then they move on. And then tomorrow another whole batch comes in. <laughs> so so this when what, you think they're gone. Exactly. One of the things I read, uh, and, 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 and again, go to my website for the <clears> blog because i got links to some great – Articles. There's one from the Morton Arboretum Plant Healthcare Report. There's another from the University of Illinois uh, Garden Pest and okay, gar- I never remember the name. It's too long. Uh, it's it's the Illinois Extension. The Illinois Extent. Well, yeah, it's the Illinois University of yeah. Illinois Extension it's, Garden it's, something something and something newsletter. And <laughs> I'm, I'm looking it up here. Uh, I should have it in front of me, but I don't. Uh, at any rate, and they both have great articles there about it. But one of the things they say is, if you got it in your trees, yeah, they start at the top often. Yes. And so you might not even notice that you've got Japanese mm-hmm. beetles in your trees until they've passed on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and and life gets busy. We're generally not looking at the tops of trees. Here, here's the good news. Um, in my 30 years doing this in the Illinois area, I have not seen a tree shrub plant die of Japanese beetles. I see people upset. I see people frustrated. I see people um, taking some extraordinary measures to keep the Japanese beetles off the plants. So this is one where it's not going to kill the trees. It's just going to have them look odd, skeletized, thinner on top. Uh-huh. So it's going to go through this wave. The tree's going to relief, and we're going to move on. Uh, you so know, that's, this, that's but that's such an important point about the Japanese beetle because, as you say, people get upset. But if you look at the real damage caused, it's basically cosmetic. Correct. All right. So, and I can understand people don't want skeletonized leaves on their plants, and there are uh, various ways you can deal with it. First of all, one of the first things you do is get the Japanese beetles early. When they first show up, start knocking them off your plants, and you can do it by hand and into mm-hmm. a bucket of soap, soapy water or Perfect. Yes. In a vinegar or whatever and kill them uh, because when you knock them, they go, they, they dive straight down. I don't know if they drop off or they fly down, but they, they go straight down, right? Yes, absolutely, yes. And, you know, and we do not need to be out there spraying down the neighborhood mm-hmm. and doing the big foliar applications on, on these. Um, we'll skeletonize leaves drop and they'll fall into your yard. And um, like you said, it's an aesthetic issue. Um, some people are super sensitive to this and foliar is an application, keeping in mind that the foliar application will kill what's on the tree. And then tomorrow, another wave will come in. And meanwhile, and they got to eat yeah. it to die. Oh, the, yeah. So And so there's still going to be some damage. So but, uh, but, is, but I was going to say there's yeah. also collateral damage because that's going to kill other kinds of beetles too. Absolutely. It's going to kill some beneficials in the process. So I talked to... Uh, you know, Dr. Rex Bastian. Absolutely. Uh, years ago, I talked to him and, and I asked him about spraying stuff. Uh, you know, and this is the simple thing. Everybody wants to spray something. They want to go grab a box or a bottle of something and they say, I'll, I'll knock them down here. He said, for the number of weeks, they're like six weeks is, is that they're around Japanese beetles. He says, it's not worth it. He said, just kind of gut your way through it and try to get them early off the plants and you'll probably be fine. Or net them or put netting over a plant or something. Or even better, don't plant as many roses. Don't have 25 roses in your backyard. What do we constantly, constantly talk about? Diversity, diversity, diversity. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you, if you have a, a lot of diversity, this is just going to be a small percentage of your tree, shrub, plants in your garden. 
And so this is, like you said, a six-week phase. It comes in, they do their damage, and they move on. And, you know, we, we smile and move on from there. <laughs> and so. if, if they go after your prize roses, be vigilant. Be yes. out there. Yes, yes. And their roses are small enough. You can handle that yourself. The bigger trees, you know, chances are you're not going to be uh, picking them off the top of your linden or <laughs> out that's there. That's what drones so. are for. That's what drones are for, drones. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's, Japanese beetle drone. That's that's the excitement of Japanese beetles. Well, and, and I think one more. We're going to break here in a second, yeah. but, but I think – now it's gotten to the point because people recognize Japanese beetles and they're really easy to recognize. They've yeah. got that metallic green exactly. back. And I think just seeing it sets off pheromones in their own heads, okay? <laughs> yes. Yes. And then they think they've got to reach for the spray bottle. So, you know, they're more unhappy by just seeing the Japanese beetle than the actual damage that's being caused. Correct. And Japanese beetle, the metallic is not the metallic of emerald ash borer. Different timing. Yeah, yeah, but emerald yeah. ash borer is so much smaller than a Japanese beetle. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Japanese yep. beetle, yeah. It's like a little shield walking. You know where I see them? Yeah. On greens on golf courses. You see them hmm. all the time uh, uh, wandering around on a, yeah. on a green in a golf course. Yes. Sounds like you spent some time on a golf course. Not lately. Okay. All right. I think you and I <laughs> might have to do this sometime. All right. That's a skeet. Yeah, and that's his real name, folks. Don't 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 Google it. Uh, or maybe you or should. Ski yeah, plus trees. You can track us down very quick, very At easy. Bartlett.com. This yes. is the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. Thank you. Mosquitoes transmit deadly diseases like Zika and West Nile virus, but Summit Mosquito Dunks kill mosquitoes before they're old enough to bite. Just float an organic mosquito dunk in ponds, bird baths, and any standing water to kill mosquito larvae for 30 days or longer. Don't worry, mosquito dunks won't harm people, pets, fish, or wildlife. Mosquito dunks, available at fine garden centers, hardware stores, and online. Visit SummitResponsibleSolutions.com. Farm Forward is helping to change the way our world eats and farms to promote conscientious food choices, reduce farmed animal suffering, and advance sustainable agriculture. We are changing policy, changing farming, and changing the story by working with farmers to build alternatives that put animals, farmers, and communities first. To learn more about Farm Forward's work to end animal suffering and advance sustainable agriculture, visit www.farmforward.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter and find out what you can do to help. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Farm Forward. Are you looking for a new ride? Ready to leave gas stations in the dust and speed away down the highway? Zero to 60 in under three seconds? Well, here's your chance. The Illinois Solar Energy Association is raffling off a 2019 Tesla Model X, the award-winning all-electric SUV. But you need to get your tickets soon because only 2,500 will be sold. So how do you win? Go to store.illinoisolar.org. That's store.illinoisolar.org. Buy one raffle ticket for $100 or the four-pack for $300. All raffle proceeds will fully benefit the Illinois Solar Energy Association, a nonprofit working to advance solar energy development throughout the state of Illinois. The winner will be drawn at the ISEA member meeting on December 5, 2019. Anyone in the continental U.S. is eligible to win, and you don't even need to be present at the drawing to claim your prize. So get your tickets, the rules, and all the other small print details at IllinoisSolar.org today. About bugs? About 
Oh yeah, it's not about Japanese Beatles at all. No dice, son, you gotta work late. Oh yeah. Sometimes I wonder, but I'm a cure, but there ain't no cure. And for some other things, some of the bugs, but. For a lot of it, there are cures and there are ways of dealing with it. You know, one of the things we were talking about during the break, uh, and, and you know, Jap- you can go down. The Japanese beetle is is a rabbit hole like lawns mm-hmm. are a rabbit hole. You go down there and you'll just be talking about that forever, right? Yes, and we're going to move on to other bugs. However, just real quick, uh, Peggy was talking about vegetables in Japanese beetles, and I would yeah. say the same strategies must apply there. If You know, get... Get them early, mm-hmm. get netting on them. Just, uh, uh, you know. Uh, oh, one other thing we didn't talk about, though, is pheromone traps. Pheromone oh, traps. Yeah. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up to Peggy's uh, great question about the vegetables. We certainly Which do not jo- want. Joey. Joey. On Facebook. Thank you. Uh, we certainly don't want to be putting any insecticides on our vegetables. No. So, so uh, stay away from that. Uh, pheromone traps, yes. Um, pheromone traps. The the best place to put a good pheromone traps is uh, maybe in the neighbor's yard. But I can't say that out loud. So we certainly don't <laughs> I want to say that. Yeah. Yeah. The yes. neighbor you don't like, right. that's where you put the fer- near their yard. Right. I, I was certainly repeating what you were saying. So um, <laughs> we don't want to put the pheromone trap on the tree that we that the Japanese beetles are on because we're attracting the Japanese beetles to that tree. So uh, put those in the corners. Put them up when. Uh, uh, no, do not put them in the neighbor's yard. But the idea is, some people, uh, a lot, of, a lot of extension service say, don't use the pheromone traps, really, because it's you're probably causing more problems than you're solving with that. It's just tre- deal with the insects as they arrive. Try to keep them. Get to them early. You know, speaking of pheromones, that's kind of what happens when they start chowing down on your plants. They send out a signal to their buddies to say, okay. Time to come this, and here's this dinner. This is where the food is. This come is on where over. it is. So if yeah. you get them early, they don't send out as much of that, and it'll help preserve your plants. So Absolutely. Preventive care is a good thing. So yeah. moving on. Yes. What else you got for us there, Skeet? All right. We've got bag worms. Okay. <laughs> Love the bag worm. Yes. These are some interesting critters and in that they're little worms, and then they create a bag or an outer casing of the plant that they're in. And they could be in a spruce tree. They could be in a locust tree. Uh, yeah, perfect. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate the assistance here. There, there, there we go. Yeah, and this is a good example where it has the little tie to the branch, and then the worm comes out, eats, and moves his house or her house as they move along in the tree. Is that and live on bug cam, or is that... Uh, the bug oh, cam camera oh, is frozen. Oh. Oh. oh dear. Okay, we will. Okay, we'll unfreeze it and we'll we'll get a close up of that again. So, awesome, because we yeah. saw it on preview, and we couldn't see it on air. All right, but tell us. Uh, uh, yeah. so, so you brought one in last year. It was crawling out of its little thing. Yes, and those nope. are kind of elegant structures. I like those. Those things. are in, Mother Nature is just incredible. Uh, the the way they build their casing their home they they carry their home with them and they go through and defoliate <laughs> and all right now how serious a problem is a bagworm compared say like to a japanese beetle well bagworm is very serious that is one where uh, applications are necessary needed the good news is one application at the right time of the year can uh, wipe these guys out uh, and 
the the challenge is when you get the uh, bagworm, especially on a spruce, and it mm-hmm. defoliates the spruce, um, it leaves some holes, openings, uh, needless spruce trees. Um, so that's one where we really need to get in there and get a treatment. And scouting is critical on this. Mm. So if you're curious about bagworms, you can do a little Google and take a look at the bags and go out there and take a look at your spruce trees. I mean, this this well, is, I mean, uh, unfortunately, we get the call sometimes when um, it, it's in an epidemic state and, uh, you know, the majority of the tree is defoliated. But so, the, 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 here's a problem with spruces yeah. because here in the Midwest, we've had a lot of issues with spruce trees, Absolutely. Right? Uh, and they seem to be, <laughs> it's like everybody I know has got a, a spruce tree that's in decline, it seems. Yes, yes. And, and this is one where you can easily see the bags and you can take a look at them um, and, and really just email a picture. Um, we can just stop on out when we're close by and, and, and take a look to confirm. So this is very homeowner easy to identify. Uh, but the other diseases, not necessarily so much, right? Not so I mean, much. I, I said other diseases. I meant the diseases. This is an insect. Correct. And then other things that affect spruce trees in the Midwest are... Uh, what, there's a couple of blights. That, Absolutely. There, there's Cytospora canker, which is the white ooze sap coming down the trunk of the tree, which is a fungus inside the tree with these pressure, yeah. pressure plates exploding and causing the sap coming down the tree. Um, there's also needle cast, uh, which is a fungus on the spruce trees. Rhizosphera? Rhizosphera. Rhizosphera. Okay. Yep. And yep. that's going to slowly just kill the tree as opposed to the bagworm can be controlled better. Correct. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So. And a lot of it has to do with sighting uh, those trees. They, uh, they, you know, there's a reason they're called Norway spruce and Colorado spruce. Uh, and the muck that we have in the Midwest, in any place you might have clay, Yes, uh, it's probably not a great place to to cite those, but everybody wants to grow their spruces, and 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 yeah. it's I think it has to do with the same reason they grow arborvitaes. They don't want to see their neighbors, Correct. so they <laughs> they they want this big fence between yeah. them and their neighbors. And then the problem is, the tree dies from the bottom up, and so you've lost all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and absolutely, Mike. Thank you. And and it's the, those bottom branches they start to overlap, they start to shade out. It creates this great cool, moist, favorable microenvironment, and that's where the needle diseases spread in the water, and it splashes up to the next layer, to the next layer, to the next layer. And I, can I put you on the spot here? Uh, uh, when, when have you not? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's true. Thank you. All right. I, I deserve that, yes. Uh, when you go to a yard and they've got the, the spruce diseases and you know those trees are a goner, and they ask you, what should I do to replace them? What do you tell them? <laughs> Thank you. It, 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 diversity, diversity, diversity. Um, and, you know, we, we need to look at the tree with the homeowner because there's different percentages of gone where some people right. say, you know, that lost the bottom two feet. That's where I really wanted the screening. The tree's not giving me a benefit anymore. Or... It lost the first four or five feet, and the tree's 20 foot tall. Maybe we can prune it. Maybe we can do some preventative treatments and keep the tree. So it's really an on-site client arborist but, but discussion. But let's say the tree's a goner, but and you just said this, this has got to go. Got to go. 
Uh, yeah. And they say, well, I'm going to put another spruce. What if I get a young spruce? Yeah. <laughs> what, what are you telling them? <laughs> why, don't, why don't we mix it up a little bit? Why don't yeah. we talk about con color fir, arborvitae, yews, uh, Norway spruce, Serbian spruce. There's other conifer evergreen trees, shrub, plants that can possibly fit into that spot. And it's all about the soil, as you said. You know, with the clay soil, let's look at the conditions of where that is. You know, let's look at what the trees have grown around because the other trees around may have shaded out that area. So now we need something that's very, very shade tolerant for that spot. And, and there are, believe it or not, there are conifers that tolerate shade. There are conifers that can tolerate some wetness. Um, they're not as many as the ones that like perfect draining and sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little right. harder to find those, isn't it? And, and Yes. And sometimes the answer is, I'm really, really sorry. I don't want to disappoint you. I don't want to surprise you. This is just not the right spot for that tree shrub plant. Uh, and, and that's not an easy or fun discussion, though the right tree, right plant, and the right place at the right time of the year makes people a lot happier and less anxiety and frustrations. And I, and I imagine you tell them, well, how about a deciduous tree as well? Mix that in there as well. So, you know, because what they want is they want 24 7. 365 days a year of green block, whatever, you know, and you, and you get to tell them, well, you know what, maybe a tree that loses its leaves in, uh, the fall is not such a bad thing either. Maybe an ornamental fence and put some vines on there. And now we've got some screening. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different options, ideas. Uh, let's, let's be a little creative. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we've got a couple things coming in on Facebook. So one goes back to the bagworms. Yes. From Christine. And then one is a request for you, too. But the one from Christine is, um, what's the best time to kill bagworms? Bagworms. uh, Bagworms is about two to four weeks ago, and we can look at degree days. When you say two to four weeks ago, meaning it's when they first started coming out? It's a good timing. Earlier. Early July. Yeah, yeah. But can you still do it now, or is it too late? You can still do it um, because you can get out there and handpick them. I mean, this is another one where, just like the Japanese beetles, you can get out there with a little pair of hand pruners and, and wherever you can get to them, um, start hand picking them. You know, let's, let's, again, trying to avoid the, the spray, spray, spray mm-hmm. uh, foliar applications. So um, hand pick them and um, look at the degree days and the timing. Uh, the Arboretum sends that out. The Botanic Garden sends that out for different timings. Okay. You had something else? You said there well, were a Well, the other is a request. Well, actually, um, one's a request, one's a question. Now the question from Scott, who also did the request, uh, what's the status of the viburnum leaf beetle? Viburnum leaf beetle. Ooh. Ooh. Somebody who knows their beetles. That was Absolutely. Mr. Jameson. Yes. Mr. Jameson. <laughs> Who's You want to know his request? Yes. Um, sing the Bartlett Company theme song before you go. <laughs> <laughs> That that would be a great request, and we're going to keep on Viburnum Leaf Beetle. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I didn't know you guys had a theme song. <laughs> the Viburnum Leaf Beetle. Uh, great question. It It is, um, again, you want to talk about, uh, Mike, you are talking about um, beetles and insects coming in from outside of mm-hmm. the Illinois area. Um, this would be another one. Um, there are specific varieties of, of Viburnums that uh, Viburnum Leaf Beetle are devastating. Um, this is an early detection, and um, the application timing is early spring, and it has two cycles. 
It has a, a cycle where it's eating the bottom of the leaves. Very difficult to see because it eats the bottom, the larvae in the bottom of the leaves. You know, how odd is that? They chew mm. on the bottom and then they come out around July 1st and then start eating the, the leaves as a beetle. So um, there's a fall application that can be done. There's a spring application that can be done. And uh, with applications, we have some great success. Also, here's one of the, the secrets and the fun part. They lay eggs in the top of the plant, so prune them back in the winter a good hmm. foot or two, and we can get rid of the eggs, and we can do, get rid of the beetle, and there's a natural way to uh, take do, care do of it. Do they affect arrowwoods? Arrowwood viburnums, yes. Because I had a friend recently who said, mm. how do I deal with the, yeah. the beetle on an arrowwood? And, uh, prune them back heavy in the winter. There we go. Wow. Prune them back heavy, right. Natu- natural. There you go. Get, More with get rid of the coming eggs. Up. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Bringing a lot of social science into climate change is really important. People who teach climate change now, you have to really get into how it's affecting people, how it's affecting the ability for people to cope, how it's affecting the ability of people to adapt or to mitigate. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate and how it might be affecting you, your lives, and your garden. On WCGO 1590, Chicago's Smart Talk. Do you know that Chicagoans are getting healthier all the time? This is Peggy, and I know this is true because for eight years I've been publishing Natural Awakenings, Chicago's greenest and healthiest magazine. And if you want your message to reach this growing market, you need to get your business in front of our readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us that our targeted readers are committed to improving their health and they're ready to take action. That's more than 80,000 people in Chicago who will respond to your message. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, doctors, dentists, nutritionists, health coaches, yoga, even home improvement and landscape experts. Natural Awakenings is a free monthly magazine available in more than 1,100 locations throughout Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. Call me today to expand your market and grow your business. 847-858-3697. That's 847-858-3697. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. You're listening to Smart Talk on AM 1590, 95.9 FM, the Smart Talk app, and WCGORadio.com. This sounds like the perfect kind of music to play when we're, we're moving dead bugs around on our countertop here and trying to get bug cam. Did, oh, we got bug cam uh, back ro- rolling? Good. We probably did. Bug a- cam is back. Bug cam is back on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. All right. You guys happy with that? We'll get to you in just a second. How would you like to spend the final evening of July enjoying complimentary beverages and snow cones from Joe Snow Syrups? That's this Wednesday, July 31st at City Grange. Children can gather around from 6.30 to 7 p.m. for story time and bring the well-mannered pups. I don't know if Basil applies to that, uh, Peggy. There's a doggy costume parade at 7.30 with treats for the most creative pup costumes. And music by, and I'm going to get this wrong, Gross Pocosi. He's uh, African jazz and pop. I don't know if it's a he or a she. It's Gross Pocosi. 
All right. Uh, from the Old Town School of Folk Music. Sounds like fun, though. Uh, it, it is. Beverages and wonderful music. A portion of sales for this event will benefit Chicago Market. 5500 Northwestern Avenue at Catalpa. Go to citygrange.com. City Grange. Learn, shop, blossom, and take part in their evenings in the summer garden now through the rest of the summer. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. How's Bug Cam coming there, Skeet? Oh, we're doing great. We saved the grossest, the best for last. <laughs> Good. Yes. And that is, tell us Drum about... Drum roll, please. Yes, we are talking Magnolia Scale. Ooh. Ew. Yes, the dreaded Magnolia Scale. This is the largest scale we uh, work with in the Chicagoland area. And for the Bug Cams, we see this, oh my goodness. this white... Kind of All right, I'm going to hold this up for the bug cam. Awesome. There we go. You see the white kind of popcorn on there? Yeah. Okay. Magnolia scale is a sucking insect. And those are huge. Those are huge. And wow. underneath each one of those girl scales, we can have a couple hundred crawlers. So Ew. if a tree company is awesome and kills 95%, well, you can see that 5% can explode very quickly and spread very quickly on the plant. It is one of the most challenging, difficult scales that we work with to try and arrest, apprehend, get rid of, and kill on the magnolias. <laughs> do, do you use handcuffs? That's uh, what we, I we do the best we can on that. <laughs> And the squirrels, bunny, critters, chipmunks um, bring it back into the plant. And so, How so? By sitting on one magnolia, getting the critter, the crawlers, excuse me, on them, oh, flying to yeah. another. Those crawlers crawl off. They attach the magnolia. And they uh, and then it. they create the cocoon. And they, and the, the, the shell. The, yes, yep. the shell, the yep. scale. Yep, you're just making sure I'm and, paying attention. And it's just magnolia? This is magnolia scale. There's a I know, that you know, and the name yes. should give it away, but sometimes yeah. you'll call it something, yeah. but it might appear on more than one species. And, and v- this is fair. all magnolias this or certain magnolias? All magnolias are susceptible to this, um, some more than others, like the saucer being more susceptible to this. All right. So, and, and people love their magnolias. So how do you prevent this or can you well what we can do and i also want to show you over here with the bug cam we have these big black leaves all right okay oh yeah oh yeah okay this is the gross fun part of working with critters and bugs the scale are sucking insects so they suck the nutrients out of the tree and they deposit the sugars so can we say poop the sugars on the radio? Can we can we say that? Yes. I think okay. you did. We yeah. did? Okay. I just want to make sure. You know. and, Andrew didn't hit the Andrew, button. I didn't so. hit the button yet. All right. So that's where Andrew, the... if you hit the button for poop, uh, we're, we're going to have a talk. Okay. I'm just... <laughs> and this is, this is critical in the identification because most people do not look up into and see the popcorn, the white scale on the branches. They'll see the black leaves. The black leaves are the sugars. The bees are attracted. So we'll get the call saying, hey, there's a fungus on my magnolia, and the bees really like it. <laughs> and that's a there's fair— There's ants all over my magnolia. It, yeah. and, and there's black on the sidewalk. There's black on my patio. There's black on the picnic table. And, and that's a very fair concern. That That's the indication to a, an astute arborist, certified arborist, to say, hmm, 
I don't think it's a fungus. It's probably a scale of some sort. Mm-hmm. And and that's when we look up into mm-hmm. the plant. We identify this with the homeowner and we say, you're close. We appreciate your calling. And the reality is we've got a sucking insect called scale. And so the treatment for that um, for magnolia scale could be a ground application. More systemically, the plant absorbs the active ingredients. So as they stuck on the plant, they start dying. It could also be a foliar bark application. So when those critters, those crawlers, excuse me, keep doing that, sorry. The <laughs> crawlers start emerging. That's when they're in susceptible state that we can uh, kill the crawlers at that point. Um, though the crawlers come out at different times. Mm-hmm. You know, for magnolia scale, it's a, more of a fall application. Other scales are spring and summer applications. So when do, when do the crawlers hmm. come out? Usually in September. Okay. And if it's a heavy hmm. infestation, it may be in early and late September. So let me, let me guess here, because I, I don't know for sure. I'm assuming yeah. they come out in the fall, they're looking for a new home, they create the cocoon, and then it overwinters. Correct. All yeah, right. yeah. And, you know, and with the ice and snow we had this winter, I was, again, really hoping that would have suffocated them and uh, did not get the results that Mother Nature was giving us for snow and ice to suffocate them. And they're certainly coming back heavy this year. And so please check your magnolias. We you have uh, a magnolia yeah. critical. critical. Right now's the time. Right now is right the time. Right. Um, take some pictures. Get a hold of your local Bartlett office. A certified arborist will come out and verify um, because this will spread quickly and kill magnolias. And it's hard to see the fungus because it, it's on the top of the leaves. Well, correct. It, the scale is very difficult to find up in the branches. Mm-hmm. And it's usually when it's heavy infested, the leaves start turning black. Yeah. If it's to that stage already, you got a problem. Absolutely. Oh. So, again, monitoring, scouting, homeowners, we need some help out there. All right. We've only got a couple of minutes. The, the other thing uh, that you mentioned to me that you wanted to talk, and let's do it very briefly, is about watering yes. and heat. Yes. And what kind of effects that the, uh, that ha- those things have on trees. Thank you, Mike. Really appreciate that. You, you know, with the amount of rain we received this spring, you know, talking about watering this time of the year, you know, I'm sure our clients are looking at us like, gee whiz, didn't you talk about too much water already? Mm-hmm. Well, now it's... Uh, three, four, five, six months after that time period. So um, watering. Watering is going to be critical here. We're starting to get into that 90-degree temperature, so July, August, uh, September, watering. Dig in the ground. You're going to maybe get your hands a little dirty. You know, is there a sprinkler system? Is it not? Is it on a berm? Depending on the conditions, you need to see, can you, can you pack the soil? Is the soil moist? If it's not, then it needs water. Um, not every single day, and we're just going to go a little quick here as time's running out. Uh, we, you don't need to water your trees every day. Uh, you cannot overwater if you do it once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, uh, and do it deeply. And mm-hmm. do it deeply and do it on, on – and there's, uh, there's not a tap at the base of the tree. So you don't need to leave the hose running at the base of the tree. You want to put it a good uh, 8, 10, 12 feet away from the base of the tree. Unless you have a new tree and you've got that little tiny root ball. Absolutely. Good call. Thank you. (laughs) Appreciate the heads up. A little tree, yes, at the base of the tree. Because if you put it out this year, it it hasn't had a chance to send out those roots yet. So you've got to water it where the roots Mm -hmm. are. Sleep, creep, and leap. It's got to get those root systems (laughs) growing. Yes. So little tree, absolutely. Thank you. Good heads up right at the base of the tree, bigger trees outside uh, and, and uh, 
Certainly, you know, Mother Nature rains. Go out there and check. You'd be amazed. Sometimes the rain does not get into the root system. The grass steals it. It does. And yeah. someday we'll talk about uh, the competition between lawns and trees, which is really interesting. Skeet. Critical. Wonderful to have you here. Real quick. Always fun. Thank you. Conifers that can tolerate some wetness. Larch, bald cypress, dawn redwood, arborvitae. How about that? I'll just throw that yes. in there. Yes. And uh, thank you so much. Bartlett.com. Go there and get your tree checked out. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Killer asparagus was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work, and so am I. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Raven Gosplach, my favorite holiday dish. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. It seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. AroundTheBlockPress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm, it appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener. I prefer my asparagus with a side of patach Mr. Wolf, are you joking? Actually, Captain, I believe he is choking. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Killer Asparagus was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work, and so am I. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Raven Gosplach, my favorite holiday dish. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. It seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. AroundTheBlockPress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener. I prefer my asparagus with a side of patach Mr. Wolf, are you joking? Actually, Captain, I believe he is choking. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And I want to give one more shout-out to Skeet from Bartlett Tree Experts. And if you have a tree care need in the Chicago area, uh, and in a lot of different areas across the country, go to Bartlett.com. And uh, they will send somebody out, and they will look at your trees, evaluate. You can get a uh, a sample of, of what they'll do, and uh, it's worth it. It's mm-hmm. worth it to have them come out, especially if you've got a, a big tree. It's a major investment in your home, and you should treat it right. Bartlett.com. Uh, one of the other things that we were talking about, and did I don't think I zapped it. No, here it is. 
uh, we uh, when we finished the segment with Skeet. The other thing we, we talked about conifers that can tolerate some wetness, as I mentioned, uh, those are larch, bald cypress, dawn redwood, arborvitae. Um, uh, most conifers want really, 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 really good drainage, and so and I love bald cypress and dawn redwood. Those are those are great trees. Uh, and then there are some that can tolerate a little bit of shade. Again, you know, we talk most conifers, mm-hmm. they want full sun and good drainage. Uh, the ones that can take some shade are, it's a very short list, arborvitae, hemlocks, and yews. Blah, blah, blah. And arborvitae and can do very well in shade. It, it can do very well. And But as Skeet pointed out before he left, he said hemlocks require some very special soil. So you're, you're kind of limited uh, in shade. Anyway... Uh, next week, we've got uh, a very interesting <laughs> what? what? No, next week's show is going to be. It's really fun. We're going on a Thysmia hunt, folks. Okay, just letting a you know. Thysmia? Thysmia. We talked about it on the show earlier. And uh, you might want to know that more than 100 years ago, a tiny flower known as Thysmia americana was last seen at Indian Ridge Marsh on the south side of chicago it was seen for like four years from from 1912 to 1916 and then never seen again so every year they have a hunt to find the thysmia and we talked about this with paul botts from the wetlands initiative uh and they're involved in this along with audubon great lakes the chicago park district and the illinois soybean association this is the ultimate Nature Scavenger Hunt and the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki will be on location 9 to 11 a.m. at Indian Ridge Marsh next week. And we want you to come down there and be part of it. And they even have bus mm-hmm. uh, way, uh, bus trips to get to the site, right, Peggy? Yeah, there's a couple different bus locations um, that they'll be picking people up. You can get all the details on the website. For the bus locations, because there's two which, different routes. Which website? Um, there are several websites. Well, the um, one I went to is the wetlands- yeah, wetlands-initiative.org, and look in upcoming events, because it's a very long URL. Um, it, yeah, you don't need uh, to do that. But they're going to be leaving from Bridgeport Coffee and Hyde Park, the Pullman Visitor Center, and the uh, East Side and Hegwish Libraries. And you can they have a link there mm-hmm. that you can go to. Uh, to find out about it, but as as <laughs> as Peggy said, all the links they have are really long. So really, really long. So here's what we're going to do: we're going to put them on. Uh, yeah, Ellie's already got her yeah. hand up. Um, do you have this link here, Ellie? I can show you. Do okay. Yeah. Put that up on Facebook and on Twitter right now uh, the, about the Thysmia hunt and where people can get their their buses and and be part of it. And, because... and those are biodiesel fuel bus. Fueled well, buses the, too. the Soybean yep. Association, yep. Exactly. of course. So that's why they're doing it. And uh, you can also, it, you can come and watch the show, but there's also chances to volunteer. Um, long pants, short sleeves, work boots, sunglasses. They have other things for you to help do some conservation work on site well, if they you'd also, like. They also recommend wa- bring water, mm-hmm. sturdy shoes, and a rain jacket just in case. Uh, and be prepared to crawl on your belly like a reptile. <laughs> Now, looking for the uh, some people do i i'm going to i mean I, I i'll go out there looking for it um but it's uh again if you want more information go to 
uh, wetlands-initiative.org, and then you click on uh, events, and you'll look for the one that says Thysmia Hunt. I mean, you you can't miss it. How many people have Thysmia Hunts uh, in the Calumet region? And the what? And, And Calumet Celebration Day, too. So there's some other activities going on, I guess. Oh, I'm I'm just interested in this. Yeah, in the I Thysmia. Mean, no, no. But we're really excited about it. We're going to have a great lineup of naturalists uh, on the show to talk not just about Thysmia, but about what we're doing uh, to restore lands that have been degraded. And, and as if you've listened to the show at all in the past several years, you know, we talk about the Calumet region in the south side and how it has borne the brunt of industry in the Chicago area, and now it's time for us to to clean it up. And one of the ways we call attention to it is by getting people Mm -hmm. on their hands and knees looking for something called Thysmia Americana. Uh, And that's what we will be doing next week from 9 to 11, the Mike Novak Show, live from the Thysmia Hunt at Indian Ridge Marsh on the south side of Chicago. So we hope you're with us. Anything else you want to say before we break? And oh, Dan Costas coming up next. We're speaking of stuff, bonsai. That's next. When you want the best science for your trees, go to Bartlett Tree Experts. They pioneered integrated pest management, or IPM, in the 1970s, introduced the first organic fertilizer, and now Bartlett is the first and only tree care company to research the benefits of biochar on urban soils and tree health. Put science to work for your trees. Get a free estimate today. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Hi, this is Peggy. McHenry County's largest annual Green Living event is also one of our area's best green events. The 2019 Green Living Expo, November 2nd at McHenry County College in Crystal Lake, attracts hundreds of attendees. We know, we've been there, and it's impressed us for years. So get your business in front of this crowd as a vendor or a sponsor. And yes, green holiday gift ideas are welcome too. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're working on our science every show. Well, the elm leaf beetle uh, and elm flea weevil are the two main ones that, that hit the elm trees, the hybrid elms. Elf leaf beetle. Elm leaf beetle. El- elm leaf beetle yeah. and the flea. Uh, elm flea weevil. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Easy for you to say. Sundays, 9 to 11 a.m., 1590 and 95.9. Chicago's Smart Talk. If you're looking to invest in an electrical car or truck, make sure to hire a state-licensed electrical contractor. The installation of that charger will require a permit in most municipalities, so make sure to check the ICC website for a certified contractor at icc.illinois.gov. You can also call DNR Services Unlimited. They've been a licensed electrical contractor since 1992. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better.
I'm not sure how this plays into talking about bonsai on the show, but uh, it seems appropriate somehow. This is the guy, harmonica player, Buddy Green. So hmm. I'm looking for, just looking for music now that Mark Zuckerberg and his T-shirt are, aren't going to zap and mute for us. So uh, uh, this is the William Tellish Overture. Because <laughs> he, he goes, if you know the William Dale Overture, he goes all over the map. He keeps doubling back and so forth. Anyway, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki. And uh, we're very pleased to bring in a friend of the show once again who's here at least this time every year. But we have him on more often than that. And that is Dan Costa from Vern Goers Greenhouse in Hinsdale, Illinois. Uh, Dan, good morning. Good morning, Mike. Uh, I, I would ask you what the weather's like, but it's just the same out <laughs> your way as it is here. So uh, there's yeah, no, it's sunny and warm. Sunny and warm. And dry. Exactly. And uh, summer. Dan, Dan is not only um, a uh, a regular at Vern Gore's Greenhouse in Hinsdale, where he, uh, in fact, you should stop in sometime if you live out that way. Even if you don't live out that way, go on by and harass him sometime. <laughs> Uh, but uh, he's also a member of the Prairie State Bonsai Society, and you guys are having your big annual show coming up next week, aren't you? Yes, we are. On the 2nd, 3rd, and 4th of August, uh, we'll be out at Morton Arboretum in Lyle. We are a part of what they call the Destination Asia Festival, so there'll be the bonsai show going on and other events as well. Uh we're going to have a display of members' trees, so these are from their private collections. They're not ones that are usually publicly viewable, so mm-hmm. it's like a once-a-year event that the trees come out where people can just wander by and see them. Uh, there will be demonstrations both days, which is working someone working on a tree and doing the basic uh, styling, the early styling of the tree. Uh workshops, which are extra cost, but they're very educational. And then we'll also have vendors selling uh, bonsai-related merchandise and uh, trees of in various stages. And one thing that we have during the show uh, that people really seem to like is we have uh, what we call the People's Choice Award. And so as people are going through the show, they can pick up a ballot, decide which tree they think is the best one in the show, and then write the number of that tree down on the ballot and turn it in. And at the end of the show, we tally it all up, and somebody gets a nice little uh, trophy for their for to take home for for the People's Choice Award. And there's also a best in show. Yeah. Now, what what I would ask you: Do you find that the same trees end up coming back each year to uh, to be judged as best in show you know that people put on display or is it usually uh, is there fairly uh, uh, good change up in in the kinds of trees that show up there yeah it's, it's both uh, some trees you see just about every year other trees uh, will be new uh, it just depends on which ones the the people think are the best looking in their collection right now yeah mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, some trees just shine every year right at the right time. Uh, but there, there is a lot of different trees and new trees every year. And I'm looking at a picture on my website right now of a Shimpaku juniper bonsai. Did I pronounce that correctly? 
Yeah, you actually pronounced it the Japanese way. <laughs> shimpaku is Japanese. Americans, we tend to call it shimpaku. Ah, shimpaku. Uh, see, uh, I, I got something right here. That is actually, that's my bonsai. <laughs> the funny part about that, though, yeah. the funny part about that is that shimpaku in Japanese means juniper. So when we say shimpaku juniper, we, we really just said juniper juniper. <laughs> Uh, As opposed to Jennifer Juniper. Uh, I, I think so, but, yeah. but there are other words like that. I, I can't think of it. Yeah, it's. I love the redundancy mm-hmm. department of redundancy department. But it um, sounds nice. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it does. It does. And you should understand the story behind that tree. So if you go to my uh, website, MikeNovak.net, you're going to see... Uh, in this week's show, the Shimpaku juniper, or the juniper juniper bonsai, which is actually my plant. Uh, uh, haven't I haven't I done a wonderful job on it, Dan? Oh, I think you've done fantastic on it. Oh, uh, thank you. Uh, I, I won that three years ago at the big show at the Morton Arboretum that you can go to next weekend uh, from the, uh, the 2nd to the 4th. Um, and I won that. And I said uh, mm-hmm. to Dan, I said, uh, oh, he, uh, um, I'm not sure why I didn't take it home with me. He said, I think you said you wanted oh, to. Oh, you, you already left before the drawing. Oh, that was it. And then you told me that I'd won. Yes. Okay. So Dan. Dan it was took... a winner need not be present. Uh, exactly. Which surprises me because I rarely win things like that. And uh, um, Dan took it home and he started messing with it. And then he put it in a, an, another pot, a nice pot. And and you're telling me now you want to put it in even another pot, a different pot. You think that this one's not quite right yet. Um, yeah, it's too big. Oh, so it should be. See, and that's the thing. It's small. Okay, let's get to the the heart of the matter here. Okay, so Dan's been taking care of it. He's mm-hmm. he stole my my juniper. Okay, he stole my bon, bo, bonsai, <laughs> uh, and uh, that's okay because I'm terrified I'll kill it. And you wrote you wrote to me the other day, and you wrote back about when I told you I was afraid I'd kill it. Here's what you said. And, and I know that your mission in life, Dan, in addition to creating and selling healthy plants is to get folks interested in bonsai. Um, and it's, it's sort of a quixotic mission. I have to admit, <laughs> Dan, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, and what you wrote to me was most people don't know what is done to create and develop a bonsai. Some think they grow that way by themselves, or we do torture to force them to stay small, restrict water, or cutting roots off. Some even think the little stuff at the box stores or grocery stores is real bonsai. It's not. To real bonsai, it's like the Elvis painted on black velvet versus the Mona Lisa. Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> So well, those little things at the box stores are generally junipers that have been trimmed up somewhat and stuck into a pot. And uh, the worst ones are the ones with the gravel that's glued on top. <laughs> the reason the gravel is glued on top is so they can put them into a pot, put the gravel on, spray glue the gravel so it stays in place, and then put them into a box and ship them and they won't fall out of the pot. The trouble is you can't even water that thing because... The glue is is in the way, you know, and I've seen trees at uh, box stores that were already dead. And their <laughs> junipers don't turn brown for a good couple <laughs> of weeks after they really die. Oh dear! So there's a, a green tree there that which is dead, or I'll see like 
a ponytail palm, which is impossible to be a bonsai mm-hmm. in a bonsai pot. So those are only sold uh, to make somebody money. They have nothing to do with bonsai itself. Uh, a real bonsai is, is shaped to represent the the essence of a mature tree, but in a simplified, more artistic way. And so we we do various things to them to make them look like a mature tree, but in a way that's easier to understand. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, uh, but here's the point I wanted to make after, after having read the thing that you wrote there. And I'm looking at this photo, and I think that's a beautiful tree. And if I kill it, I will never, ever forgive myself. Uh, and, um, I've been known to drop tables on, uh, on plants, uh, like, uh, orchids. I'm not, I'm not particularly successful with orchids either, but I haven't really tried. But the point is if a guy like me who grows a lot of stuff anyway, and I don't have any problem with that. And I don't have any problem going out in my yard and hacking away at my crab apple tree or another tree and pruning it and, and, and just knowing that, oh, don't worry, that's going to, it's going to heal itself. It's going to look great. If, if I don't have a problem with that, why do I have a problem with this tiny little thing in a container? In fact, when you say you want to put this into a smaller container, I say, no, look, it's got some soil. Get, leave, <laughs> leave, leave the soil in there now. You're going to hurt the tree. Don't put it in a smaller container. But you're, you're looking at it, at it as art and saying, uh, if I put it in a smaller container, it probably actually looks better is that is that what you're thinking it, the tree will actually look bigger that's Being a scale in a smaller thing pot, yeah. it will look taller it'll look bigger more volume because the uh you don't have the competition of that deeper pot uh against the tree yeah and so by by putting it in a smaller pot it would look better uh from a bonsai aesthetic but the reason I put it in this pot was I figured that you were going to take it not too long, and so <laughs> there you go. It'd be easier to take care of. Uh, <laughs> well, I think maybe I will. I, I have to take it now before you put it into a smaller pot and hurt it. I. <laughs> but but that you well, know, I, but it gets to the heart of of what you're doing and why why is it that people are flummoxed by the idea of doing bonsai when. Uh, well, they hear bonsai is, a, is an art, and when you put that three-letter word art in there, people get scared right away. And uh, people think that there's some, like, Asian mystical practice that we do to keep the trees small and, and to make them grow this way. And, and it's all really just regular gardening things that you would do with any other plant in your yard, shrub. Uh, there's the pruning and the shaping of the plant, but that's see that, all right. You got to you, you got to stop there. You got to stop there, Dan, because that's the part <laughs> that 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 scares them the most. I mean, they can handle some soil and some fertilization, but it, when it comes to pruning it well, they have no idea what to do because even for large plants, pruning is part art. Part science and part nightmare. All right, <laughs> this is how. This right. is how. Okay, part art, part science, part nightmare. Exactly. That's you can put that on a tweet there, Ellie. That's what I say about pruning. All right, <laughs> uh, and that's why I think people are afraid to to do the bonsai because they think they're going to make the wrong cut. Now, if they make the wrong cut, well, what happens? 
Yeah, you just have a uh, chance to do maybe something a little different with the tree than you started out on. <laughs> okay. Uh, I've had trees where branches have died back, and and so I do a change in the styling. Uh, I cut cut really short a little branch that I was going to keep back in January on one of my indoor trees, and mm-hmm. as it turned out, it was a, a it worked out good because the other branches. Just in a good, better place to replace it. So sometimes you make a mistake; it's not a big deal. And bonsai works slow, so if you don't do something this year, you can do it next year. If you make a mistake this year, you can probably remedy it next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to worry about rushing into you know it has to be done immediately and and uh, finished up. And and really, a bonsai is never finished anyways because they keep on growing and changing mm-hmm. and. You have to keep working on them all the time. But the problem I see with people about pruning is they think it's going to hurt the tree somehow. And I keep telling people there is no central nervous system in a, in a tree. It has no brain, so it has no <laughs> no idea of feeling. So it can't be hurt. The only way you can hurt a tree is if it's like a conifers, cut all the, cut all the foliage off, and then you're going to just kill it. But... Uh, Otherwise, you know, because I'll get people bringing back a tree that they bought from Gores two years ago, and they've never pruned it. And now it's this big scraggly thing and uh, all over the place, and they want me to make it look like it did when they bought it. And about the only thing I can say is, let me have it for about uh, a year and a half, <laughs> and I'll try to redevelop it and make it look something like what it, what it did originally. That's what Pruning I told you. Is very, very important. I said, hold on to my tree for three years, and then I'll try to get my hands on it again. Uh, <laughs> but, but you know, and, and if a branch dies, uh, as you pointed out on the tree, my tree, uh, you, you sometimes leave it, and it looks great, right? Oh, yeah. Deadwood is a very important thing especially on the uh, conifer trees. Because if you look at a very old tree in nature, they will have dead wood on there, branches that have died and haven't fallen off, or the top of the tree might be dead. Or like one of my trees, I've styled it to look like lightning struck the top of the tree and ripped all the bark off all the way down to the roots on one side of the tree. That's all uh, makes it look more natural. It makes the tree look a lot older. And so uh, by by doing this, we, we add more beauty to the tree. And like with juniper or some of the others, they have a very rot-resistant wood, so mm-hmm. it would be natural to have that on the tree anyway. Uh, and I think the, uh, the other thing we need to point out here before we take a break is that if the tree in nature is outdoors... That's where it's going to spend the winter. If the tree in nature, like a tropical, is indoors, Mm -hmm. that's where it's going to spend the winter. Am I right, Dan? Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because you... Yeah. No no junipers or maples in the house in the winter and no ficus outside in the winter. (laughs) Exactly. So you have to... All you need to know, folks, if if you're starting your own bonsai, did you get... Uh, an indoor tropical that's been made into a bonsai, or did you get an outdoor plant that's been made into a bonsai? And if it's outdoors, you have to suck it up and put it outside, and you can mulch it, but it's going to be, it needs that dormancy uh, to survive. I learned that the hard way, okay, once uh, with a bonsai. <laughs> and, uh, and Dan showed me a photo of uh, my Shimpaku juniper, 
uh, under the snow this past mm-hmm. winter, and it seems to have come out very well. So, all right, that's Dan, oh, yeah. Dan Costa. Uh, we'll have more about the Prairie State Bonsai Society. Big show next week. Uh, and now I'm going to ask you about some other gardening questions. We'll be right back. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. What is sustainable seafood and why should we care? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Sustainable seafood is seafood that is either caught or farmed in ways that consider the long-term vitality of species, the well-being of the oceans, and the communities that depend on fishing for their economy. In case you didn't know, our oceans are experiencing severe distress from environmental destruction and overfishing. The Marine Stewardship Council offers labels to make it easier to find fish that is sustainably sourced. So if you love your seafood without plastic microbeads and you want to make sure it is there for future generations, please consider sustainable seafood options. I'm Green Diva Meg. Please visit thegreendivas.com to find useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green. This is Mike Novak. Serious and even not so serious gardeners in the Chicago area know that there's a year-round resource that always comes in handy. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region, and it's packed with information about plants, indoors and out. Every issue contains insightful articles by gardening pros, fantastic photos, science, and more. With features like what to do in the garden, design tips, and Chicagoland natives, you're going to be ready to grab a trowel and dig. Even I have a column in the inside back page of every issue. It's practically fact-free, and I'm proud of it. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. Go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. When city crews are changing their schedules, you know that the climate crisis is real. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, Sundays 9 to 11 on 1590 and 95.9. Like I said last week, nothing but the latest hits <laughs> on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We are talking to Dan Costa from Vern Gore's Greenhouse and the Prairie State Bonsai Society, and they are having their big event uh, next week. You can One of the places you can go to is my website, MikeNovak.net. I've got a link mm-hmm. to the Prairie State Bonsai Society and to the Morton Arboretum and to Destination Asia Festival, the Art of Bonsai. I got, you can't miss it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you just want to go to Prairie State Bonsai, you can go to PrairieStateBonsai.com. Don't forget, bonsai is spelled B-O-N-S-A-I. And as Dan uh, taught me many, many, many years ago, <laughs> bonsai is what you shout when you jump out of an airplane. Bonsai is the <laughs> art of small plants in small containers. Right, Dan? <laughs> yes, 
that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's it in a nutshell. Um, and and Deb loves the music, by the way. So keep we got to keep the variety. Going okay, well, well, Deb. Yeah, I can understand why <laughs> Deb loves loves the music. Okay, I can play more of that. Yeah. I, I can play as much swing music as you want. Uh, anyway, so. Uh, Dan, I wanted to talk a little bit. Uh, uh, you now, you know, I gave you your whole segment there about bonsai. Okay, so I just wanted to make sure. Okay. So tell the uh, the PR folks at the Prairie State uh, Bonsai Society that you you got the whole segment about bonsai and and a good. Okay, I will tell them. <laughs> but now, but now you got to pay for it. Well, one thing I wanted to mention though for the arboretum's benefit is part of their Destination Asia Festival. Yeah. They have lots of events going all three days. They have Asian music going on, uh, martial arts demonstrations, Chinese lion dance, Korean drummers, sumo wrestling demonstration, Ikebana uh, demo, lots of other things, and most importantly, Asian-style food trucks. Yes. Ah. I did there's, see that. Yes. It's not just the Bonsai Club. Uh, there, There's lots <laughs> of other things going on. So just come out early. Enjoy the whole day. Exactly. No, you should take advantage of it. It's uh, it's all sort of wrapped up together, yeah. it's and from, it's very cool. I was going to say, it's from 10 to 4, yeah. so morning or afternoon, folks can get out there. Uh, and that's on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, Saturday and Sunday. And then in the evening, mm-hmm. uh, you guys start uh, 6 to 9 p.m. on Friday, August 2nd, uh, with the Bonsai. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. so, but getting back to, uh, Vern goers and you, you know, you're on the front lines, dude, you're always out there. You get to see what the average gardener is dealing with because they come into the shop mm-hmm. and, and they tell you that, don't they? Oh yeah. Uh, starting about the middle of June is what I call complaint season. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, all the problems. Well, early- I was real glad to hear Skeet. I was glad to hear Skeet talking about magnolia scale, but I mm-hmm. see about three branches of that brought in every week. Wow. It's it's out there. That's interesting. I didn't realize it was that prevalent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's all over the place on magnolias. All right. So what else have you been seeing this year? I'm sure uh, early in the season you had issues relating to cool weather and lots of rain. And then I'll bet in the mm-hmm. uh, the lately in the last month you've seen issues relating to hot weather and lack of rain. Yeah, well, it hasn't rained in like 10 days. And people are thinking, you know, oh, we've been getting lots of rain, lots of rain. They're not watering. And so I'm getting plants that have burned marks on them and other stress related to not being watered. And so right now is a time when you guys really water deeply because who knows when we're going to get the next rainstorm. You know, they said tonight and tomorrow it's 20% chance. Well, that doesn't mean much. No. So that's a major thing. And also the plants got a lot of stress early in the season from being so cool and wet that things like geraniums and tomatoes and, and peppers, things that want to hotter and drier, uh, really started having problems, and some of that has not worked out even now yet uh, on the plants. So we're seeing holdovers from from earlier on, Uh, all sorts of damage from from, uh, insects and that that are attacking because plants have been weakened, Mm -hmm. uh, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, and that's a really good point, that a weakened plant is a plant that's susceptible to an attack from an insect. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they won't attack a real healthy, strong plant. It's, you know, it's hard to do. So if so, if, well, if yeah, if it's too wet or too dry, and I got a tip here, uh, Dan, and and you guys know it because you work at a garden center, so you see this all the time. But here's what I would advise people to do: I've got some plants that I got earlier in the season, and um, somebody gave them to me, and I don't know really what to do with them, but I keep them on the side of the house mm-hmm. and I water them in pots in their little mm-hmm. containers, and I'll figure out at some point what to do. One of them's a forsythia in a little, little tiny container. Um, and it's a particular variety of forsythia. And, you know, if I could find a spot for it, I might actually plant it. But if I leave it on the, if I leave it on the side of the house, uh, I can come out on a certain day and see it drooping. Mm-hmm. And that tells me that we haven't had any water in a few days because it's right where it could get rain if it if it rained it, you know and for the longest time I just mm-hmm. le- left it out there and it did fine in fact there's I have half a dozen plants like that um some of them yeah, some, I do too yeah some of them droop faster than others but if you start to see them droop you go hmm okay it's time to water everything else that's in the ground and mulched properly and you know it has a little more resources if these pots the plants in these little pots are starting to go. It's a, that's your sign. So my feeling is I want to tell people, buy yourself a four-inch pot with a plant in it. Leave it on the side of the house. And when it starts to droop, that's your indication that you need to go water your garden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a very good way to look at it. Uh, uh, be, something that's visual like that. Yeah. Like look at it and say, oh, okay. Yeah, because, you know, what you were saying, Dan, is check the soil moisture. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people don't know how to do that. They don't even know how to stick their finger into the soil and determine whether there's enough moisture there. Um, and I'm and mm-hmm. I'm not saying that in a pejorative way. I'm just saying it's a fact right. that it's confusing to a lot of folks. So why not have like a visual cue that just tells you, oh, oh I think I'm, I need to go water. And, and I've kind of, oddly enough, I've kind of used that this year, especially since we had such a wet spring. Then when it started to get warm and dry, I started watching these plants. And when they got dry, I went, okay, let's go out and water. And that's what I did. Yeah. One thing I find funny is a customer will come in, and they'll be buying a perennial or a shrub or something, and they ask me, they say, I'm not going to be able to plant this until next week. Will it be okay to leave it in the pot like that? Well, of course it is. If, if you didn't buy it, we just leave it in the pot until somebody right. finally does buy right. it. Right, right. It's been in the pot for a while. In the pot for yeah. you know a year. I someday yeah. I I want you to just uh, you and all my other friends who work in garden centers. I want all the plant stories uh, just like that. Sounds and like just, a panel. Uh, oh, you won't believe them. It sounds like a comedy routine. Yeah. I could do a stand-up perfect piece on this. So. Um, you, well, you would think that we're making it up, you know, like the woman that came in or called up last year and complained because she bought red peppers and she's only getting green peppers, no red ones. <laughs> and we her, well, just try leaving them out a little longer before let you him, pick it. Let them it. sit a little um, longer, yeah. It'll turn red. Or, or the one that came back complaining that she got eggplants that were growing long and skinny like a cucumber instead of short and round. She brought me one of the eggplants, and she brought me the label that came with it, and it showed one that was long and skinny like a cucumber, oh, yes. and it said on the label that's how they were going to grow. Uh, <laughs> well, it's unbelievable sometimes what, what you hear. Well, speaking uh, of vegetables, what about tomatoes and peppers and other plants that have been stressed with all the heat that are in containers especially, but even the ones in the ground? You know, 
a lot of them aren't yeah, flowering well, right now where they're not fruiting? Yeah, keep them moist. Uh, don't fertilize a plant that's not growing good, that's not looking sturdy, mm. because fertilization, it's not food to the plant, it's minerals that they use. And by fertilizing a, an unhealthy plant, you'll actually make it worse than better. And like I tell people, it's like, think of yourself, you've got a bad case of the flu, you're laying in bed, somebody comes in with a four-course meal and says, here, eat this. Mm-hmm. You don't want it. Right. When the plant's not doing good, it doesn't want the fertilizer either. So you, you never fertilize something that's not doing well. But but yeah. uh, as you pointed out, and uh, I imagine you've seen this, um, Peggy and I have talked about this sometimes on air and sometimes off, uh, the tomatoes... Uh, this year are spotty. I'm uh, not meaning that they have black spots on them. It's just that I've got a couple of tomatoes that are doing fine, but pretty much the rest of them, uh, I'm not getting a whole lot of tomatoes. You know, we had some early fruit set and then for a while, nothing. And now maybe I'll get some more, but I got to tell you, it's so far, as far as I can tell, it's kind of a disappointing year for tomatoes. Uh, are you finding anything like that, Dan? Yeah, I have the same situation with my plants. I'm getting cherry tomatoes, but my regular tomatoes, there's fruit on them, but it's just kind of sitting there. And there isn't a lot of uh, mm-hmm. fruit on them, just, just a few. Yeah. And uh, it's all related to the, the weather conditions that we've had this year. It's been really a bad year for that kind of stuff. Uh, things like the lettuces in that early on, they that like cool weather, they did great. But yeah, our hot season stuff is having some problems. Yeah, I've noticed even, you know, the kale's finally starting to perform, at least in my garden. It it just sat mm-hmm. there doing nothing for the longest time when it you would expect it in cool weather to be growing, and now it's growing. So, and, yeah. and the reason I ask that is, a, is that people listening are probably wondering if they're bad gardeners, but mm-hmm. it's just been a really kind of odd, inconsistent year. Um, we had really, the, the, the tomatoes were not, and peppers not happy with the cool temperatures, and then we had the uh, hot temperatures, uh, and I just found that the fruit set has been inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's been terrible with some stuff. Okay, well, good. What? Uh, I'm just going to say, okay, we got about a minute left, and then we're going to, I understand there's a Rick DeMaio sighting, and uh, we will be getting him on right after oh, very, the, the break. Very good. I look forward to his segment every every week. See, Rick, and Rick's on hold, but see, Rick, there's people who, wait, put them on there. Rick, are you with us? Yeah, I can hear you guys. Okay. Yeah, Dan Costa from Vern Gore's Greenhouse loves your uh, weather forecast, so. Um, oh, yeah. Very nice to hear it. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate that. Uh, sure. And, sure. well, I thought we were going to have time to answer uh, another question, but we don't. So, Dan Costa, thank you so much. Uh, don't forget that the Prairie mm-hmm. State Bonsai Society show is August 2nd through 4th at the Morton Arboretum. Go to my website for all the information. Dan, we will talk to you soon. Thanks for having me on, Mike. Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Body Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. 
Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. We're also at TheGreenDivas.com and on the Gab Radio Network. Podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. Sign up for posts in our newsletter on the homepage and support the sponsors who support us. Look for their logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. Mosquitoes transmit deadly diseases like Zika and West Nile virus, but Summit Mosquito Dunks kill mosquitoes before they're old enough to bite. Just float an organic mosquito dunk in ponds, bird baths, and any standing water to kill mosquito larvae for 30 days or longer. Don't worry, mosquito dunks won't harm people, pets, fish, or wildlife. Mosquito dunks, available at fine garden centers, hardware stores, and online. Visit SummitResponsibleSolutions.com. That that uh, accent is almost as bad as Dick Dick Van Dyke's in Mary Poppins. All right, and of course. You all know who's who's singing this, right? I know none, nobody here in the room, right? Do you have any? Can you? Hear? I, I should, but I don't. That is Merv Griffin. Ah, uh, yes. What back when he was just an entertainer, and uh, this the 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 amazing thing about this song. This was the number one song mm-hmm. on the hit parade. When Elvis's first record was released, so it gives you an idea of the shift that was about uh-huh. to occur in American music. Uh, and I just that's a little history lesson here on the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. And look who's in and, the and Deb says more. <laughs> I know. Deb, no, no more. That's enough. Uh, they, they... Mike, Mike, that's as bad as Audrey Hepburn singing in My Fair Lady, right? <laughs> well, that, she didn't, that though. That wasn't her. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's the point. I know. It was pretty bad. Yeah. But uh, there, that's, it's, it's how society changes sometimes overnight. And, uh, yeah. and uh, here he is back, uh, back live on the Mike Novak Show, meteorologist Rick DeMaio. We missed you, dude, uh, especially since uh, yeah. uh, those of you who are listening on Facebook heard the conversation just now. But those of you who weren't, I, and I talked about the heat wave. And what was your response to that, Rick? There ain't no heat wave. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was an episode of high heat. How about that? Okay. All right. Yeah, it was that. No, really, because I mean, what did we have? We had, uh, we I think it was ninety two, eighty seven, ninety three, ninety seven, and then it cooled off. So I mean, if people really want to have a heat wave, think about what we had in twenty twelve. Think about what we had in ninety five. Think about what we had in eighty eight when it went on for two weeks, and it literally became a health hazard um, and almost a natural disaster from a standpoint of crops, but. We got really lucky, guys, because all the corn that was planted late right now is in the tasseling stage, which means it gets those little green things up on top. Mm-hmm. And if we would have entered into a period of really, really high heat, um, a lot of those tassels probably wouldn't have tasseled out properly, and we'd be looking at disaster times, too. 
And it's really interesting, but in parts of western sections of Illinois and southeast Iowa, they've been in somewhat of a flash drought. They literally have been about 10 to maybe 20% of normal precipitation over the last 10 days. Now, you haven't heard about it much because there's so much water in the ground, but it's amazing how quickly in some parts of the Midwest we went from record rainfall to basically dry weather in a very short period of time. And I think in some ways people kind of accepted and welcomed with some degree of open arms um, the heat and then the dryness that we've had um, over the past three to four weeks. Nearly four inches of rain uh, fell, but in a very small period of time, and so far four degrees above normal for the month. So far this July has been kind of friendly to us weatherwise. Yeah, it has. And, and you know, Dan, yeah. Dan Costa was just talking about that, how people lose track of the water. Oh, uh, totally. Right. And then, then they don't know how to respond. They think, well, I shouldn't have to water because we had so much in the spring. But that's not, that's right. not, that's not the way it works, is it? No. No, I, I've noticed a lot of patches of public grasslands going literally brown in the last, um, probably the last week and a half. And part of that is because that first inch or so of moisture dries out really quickly. And you don't need to be hot this time of the year to evaporate soil. All you need is sunshine, and that sunshine will do a lot uh, to pull out whatever moisture is in the ground. The good news is we'll get back into a bit of a wet period for about 24 hours beginning tonight Mm -hmm. into tomorrow. We could probably squeeze out maybe three-quarters to an inch of rain. Mm -hmm. The bad news is if you want to continue to not have to worry about watering, we go right back into a dry pattern Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of next week. In addition to that, also cooler conditions as well. So we're not getting the heat this summer. Uh, 11 days so far above um, 90 degrees. The normal up until this point is about 14. Hmm. Uh, 40 days above 80. The normal is about 52. So we're below normal both temperature-wise, 80 degree, and extreme heat-wise. Precipitation-wise, we're actually running nearly 8 to 9 inches above normal. And again, you saw what happened with you know Lake Michigan just over last weekend when we had all those high waves flooding along the lakefront. We're now one inch below the all-time record levels set back in 1986. And unless we get into another hot period, you're going to see that lake continue to stay the way it is. Again, when you get really hot, you tend to evaporate moisture off the lake, and that's definitely not coming back at us anytime soon. Uh, but it, but it, if if we don't get into the real hot weather it won't evaporate but if we don't right. get it but if we don't get into a lot of uh, rain it's just you're going to stay at pretty much levels at right now that's what you're saying yeah i i, I think that's the best way to look at it because two things will actually make the lake go up is heavy spring rains and lack of evaporation during the height of your summer season when you can cool it off or we can you can pull moisture out of the ground or out of the surface of the lake just due to high temperatures or during the winter time when you're actually extremely cold and you end up with a lot of clouds and lake effect snow. And so far, all three of those things, all three of those components, have been happening at a much lower level for a long period of time. So Lake Superior, Lake Michigan, Lake Huron, Lake Erie, and particularly Lake Ontario, where the, all four lakes drain, have been way above normal. Um, so for those people who live on the east side of the lake, uh, you literally go to Michigan and you go, wait a minute, where's the beach? 
there's no beach. Mm. And that's mm-hmm. continued to happen on this side as well, but not to as much a degree on the Michigan side. Well, you know, last week we had uh, uh, garden designer Pete Udolf on the show from the Netherlands, and he's doing an installation at Belle Isle in the Detroit River. And they're so, oh, wow. yeah, it's going to be beautiful. Uh, and, and Peggy and I hope to go there. We'll co- of course, Detroit, my hometown. But the problem is, right. the problem is they're supposed to start in September, but the water level is so high in the Detroit River that they might not be able to start on time. Yeah, isn't that crazy? I, I know even, even parts of, uh, I, I know around the Lake Geneva area, there's a couple of small inlets. Mm-hmm. little docks, bays, if you want to call them, and the boats have to go underneath some of these bridges. And I was up there a couple of days ago, and some of the slips are only half-filled because mm-hmm. the normal boats that go in there can't because the lake level is so high. So, yeah, it's amazing how all these things that you kind of get used to happening, you know, during the course of the year aren't happening, and it's kind of a silent way. It's like it's like a silent way that Mother Nature always seems to have the last word on things. You know, I don't know if you guys talked much about the heat in Europe. I'm sure you did. Um, and I know we only got a minute here, but I remember when I was in Europe a couple of years ago in Paris, one of the things you notice right away is you go into some of these smaller hotels, the ones that most of us can afford, there's no air conditioning. Right. And most right. public places don't have air conditioning. So when you're talking about 107, 108 degrees, that's almost like us getting to 115 and 120. You've got to think of it relative to the places where it's happening. And again, urban heat islands have a lot to do with that. Yeah. From the standpoint of how uncomfortable it can be. Well, folks should know that uh, you're go- you're not going to be with us again next week, but we're going to be on the south side doing our, our live remote. Mm-hmm. But when in two weeks, I want to talk a little bit about the hurricane season. We don't have time right now because yeah. there hasn't been much. Yeah. So give, give us a quick forecast here. Yeah, thankfully this time next week I'll be on the west coast of Florida enjoying 87-degree water <laughs> and hopefully no tropical storms or hurricanes. I know, go figure that one out. Uh, so 92 today. Today will be the 12th day above 90. Um, that's about average for this time of the year. Showers, thunderstorms likely tomorrow morning and tomorrow afternoon, high 82. And then literally 80 to 85 for the next four to five days. I don't see anything in the way of any extended heat coming back at us, Mike and Peg, for about two and a half to maybe three weeks. For those people who like nice, moderately, somewhat seasonal summer weather, you got exactly what you're getting. All right. Until next time, go green or go home. Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. What a Well, you didn't miss much.